The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and 10, Walsh. Any down the distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to the first ever and hopefully the first annual Super Bowl edition of the Out of Structure podcast on Arrowhead Pride com and the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Cop Jr. Ron, how you feeling about Super Bowl week? Let's go. Let's do it. I'm 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 feeling good. I'm feeling ready. Uh, it was you know nice to kind of you know Super Bowl media nights doesn't do much. Opening night doesn't doesn't have you know too much to offer, but you know it gets us kind of in the in the mindset that yeah, hey, it's Super Bowl week. It's time to go. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up, man. Um, it is, it is time to roll. It's nice to have this kind of two week stacks to kind of, you know, regroup after, you know, uh, an emotional win, I think for us and the team, probably honestly, like it's, it, it is kind of nice to have that extended time to really let the nerve set in for uh, for Sunday. Cause we got a long week ahead of us stags. We, we, we really do. I definitely appreciated the bye week just for that reason is that I felt like a lot of the focus of this season was getting past the Bengals, getting past right. the AFC championship game getting back to the Super Bowl, it was hard to even think about the Super Bowl up until really the last day or so. Now it's finally coming, coming, becoming more real, I guess, and seeing this matchup, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the, the other uh, top team in the league, very, very evenly matched. The numbers are insanely uh, even between these teams in a lot of ways. And so it's going to be, it should be, a fun matchup. And I know we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about the particular matchup. We're going to get to a lot of your questions about the upcoming Super Bowl game. Uh, but but first, as you mentioned, it was opening night. It was media time for the teams. And they make a big spectacle out of this. Uh, what did you take from the, the, the media access already so far? Right. Yeah, no. Hey, I was I was one of the, uh, you know, all hands on deck, you know, great AP writers. We were, you know, we were all uh, up late last night, uh, you know, blogging it out, you know, live blogging some of the funny stuff coming out, some of the, you know, the the, the quotes, you know, the 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 more serious quotes. And, and one that Chiefs Kingdom was glad to hear was Kadarius Tony, um, a USA Today writer, uh, you know, tweeted out that Kadarius Tony told him that he is definitely playing in the Super Bowl. 
Um, I blogged that up for the for the site, so go look at that. And that's important, right? Because McCall Hardman, you know, on the on the flip side, since we've last been on a podcast, was placed on IR, and so you know, there's no chance he is returning, obviously, for the Super Bowl. Tony being back is a huge thing. And then another good injury news: he got Lujarius Sneed um, clearing concussion protocol that just came out during the night. So those are the real, you know, um, um, you know, quality nuggets. Uh, besides that. It was really just, you know, goofiness. Uh, Donna Kelsey bringing out cookies for, the, for her sons during an interview. Uh, Frank Clark saying Tommy Townsend is, is the guy that talks the most trash on the team. Um, yeah, which, which you know, hey, uh, that, I, I could see it, man. You know, he, he, he hides behind that, that, that smile and those, those locks, man. I, I could see it. <laughs> I mean, coming from Frank, because I know Frank talks. Frank talks post-game. Right. Frank talks pre-game. Frank talks in the locker room. Uh, I know he talks on the field. You hear him at training camp. You, hear, you see him in practice. Like, he doesn't stop. So, if he's saying that Townsend talks more than he does, <laughs> that's saying something. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it was funny. Um, you know, hey, we're known for our, our punters with egos, man. We're known for, you know, Dustin Colquitt, Tommy Townsend. You know, we're known for our punters that walk around, you know, knowing they're the, they're the guy, right? You know, all Louis pros. Get to his... Come on. Let's, exactly. Let's you know, Tommy got the all pro and now he's just walking around talking to anybody like he, you know, he's, he's the reason we're winning. And Hey, last AFC championship, nice little punt he had at the, at the end of that game to, to help the defense. So I don't know, maybe he should be a Connor McGregor in it around. Like I think he did that against Houston this year, <laughs> swinging his arms around. Yeah. Um, also some other injury news. I, I think, Based on what we've seen and heard, Willie Gay Jr., uh, Juju Smith-Schuster both seem like they're probably going to be okay for the Super Bowl. I know Juju was getting a lot of rest in to try to get the swelling down on his knee, but the assumption was that he was going to be good. Uh, Mahomes saying that his knee – or his knee – his uh, uh, high ankle sprain was feeling better than uh, expected or better than it was. Uh, so he's ahead of the game. He should be ready to go in looking more like himself, hopefully than he, even than he did last week. Yeah, no, uh, it, it, he played through it. Right. And we all saw it, but there's definitely, there was definitely some limitations and it would be nice, especially against this Eagles pass rusher, which we'll get into for him to be full go. But yeah, last night, uh, I, I, I saw a couple of quotes that stood out to me. He said, well, first of all, just kind of a toughness quote. He said, I'll play through all the injuries that the trainers let me play through, which, you know, I, it's obviously just saying, you know, if, if he has any sort of green light, he's going, which we knew, but um, just clarifying that. And then Sam McDowell, the KC star tweeted out uh, that he said Mahomes on his ankle said it's definitely in a better position than it was at this time before last game, which sounds like good news. And you think about it. I mean, yeah, at this time before the last game, it was two days after he, he sprained it. So I would hope it's in a be- in, in better shape, but no, all in all, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's, we're going to get to Sunday or, and you're not even going to notice the fact that he's, you know, it, that's just how it is, I think. I mean, th- this team is so much more dangerous when you have that extra element of him running for first downs uh, when they need it. And, it's, again, right. like you said, with a big pass rush, there might be opportunities for him to step up and, and run for a first down here and there. So if he's able to do that, it's, it really, really helps this team. So I, I would I would love to see that. Uh, that would be a nice reassurance that his ankle's good to go. Is if on the first drive you see him bust off a 15-yard run, you know, to 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 secure a first down uh, when they need one. 
Yeah, no, you say he he does it when they need it, and he did it last week, right? He did do that, but you're right. It's it's in in a lot of playoff games he does he's he's done it quite a bit, you know, five six times where he's you know really having an impactful scramble. So you're right, man. If you, you know, can't that, hold it up, they're yeah. probably lucky that was the last offensive play of the game, given, right? Given the condition of his leg and the way he looked tumbling into the bench, there there's a pretty good chance that uh, that 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 hurt quite a bit, and so. Right. Can he do that throughout the game uh, and, and not just in crunch time? Uh, I would love to see it. Yeah, no, and, and and that's the thing. Opening night, I mean, you know, all in all, you don't really get much from it, but it was good to get those injury reports and uh, just kind of set the scene, you know. It's, 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 it's time to lock in for this game. All right, last week we talked about the Bengals game, and in fact, the last two weeks we've talked about the importance of this postseason run to this Chiefs team just from a historical perspective and – I think it bears another look at the Super Bowl itself. So now that they got past the Bengals, now that they got into the Super Bowl, there's still a lot on the line with this game. And and it could change the perspective on this team, on some of the players, on the season, on some of the coaches. So let's jump in uh, to some, some of the things that make this Super Bowl of critical importance uh, historically for this team. Uh, First of all, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes, his third Super Bowl in his fifth year as a starter. Um, right now, he's one and one in those Super Bowls. Would you rather see him go two and one or one and two? That's a very, very different narrative. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing that I like to point out about about this is, you know, he's he's in his third Super Bowl in his first five years as a starter. Um, you know, and, and yes, he, if he does win this, obviously this, this, you know, makes the stat all, all the more important, but Tom Brady, you know, everyone talks about, oh, you know, he can't catch Tom Brady in rings. And obviously it's going to be very hard, but he is, you know, cause a lot of people talk about how Brady got to, off to such a good start. Well, Brady got those three Super Bowl rings in his first six seasons as a starter. So you're talking, you know, you, you have Mahomes with the chance to be just one loss down you know, in the same amount of Super Bowls, you know, with one less year as a starter. Um, and, and obviously, you know, I, I think they're similar age. I didn't check that, but you know, I, I just feel like this is Mahomes has a chance to really like, you know, like boost himself off, you know, and have a great, we talked about it, you know, in the first Super Bowl, right. That like he has a chance to really build on these early in his career, you know, make it easier to kind of, you know, have that cushion in the back end of his career for his legacy. So yeah, this is super important, man. But if he goes one and two, then, you know, then it's, not impressive. And honestly, it's, it's, you talked about, it, I think last week, or I think it was before the Bengals game or no, it was after it was after about, you know, yeah, just, Hey, five AFC championships in a row. And, you know, at some point you should have more than one ring to call to, to say for that, you know, in those five years. Absolutely. You, you mentioned Joe Montana, uh, Troy Aikman, each appeared in three Super Bowls in seven years and won each of those. So you've got three and O as the as the historical benchmark for your first three Super Bowls here that that Mahomes is already down one uh if he wins this one he's on track you know um, uh, obviously there's a uh, all of those guys went on to lose Super Bowls if I remember correctly especially uh especially Brady uh and so to be considered in that top tier he's got to get he's got to get this one it's got to be uh that puts him right back on track Right. No, it's just a good reminder that, you know, he, he's not only statistically is he like way ahead of the game, like in terms of like starting out a career, like 
successfully he is. Like, I feel like he, it, it does get kind of, you know, just overall like accolades as a quarterback. Like, I, I think it does get kind of overlooked that, you know, he's getting to, you know, he's getting to these places like stages in these seasons more often, more consistent at a faster rate right out the gates than really any great quarterback ever. I mean, you know, Brady, you know, had the, had the, you know, luck of walking into a three Super Bowl win team. Mahomes has made these teams, you know, get to these Super Bowls. And so, yeah, if he can just get that second win, you know, only be, you know, one loss. And it was to Brady, unfortunately, which hurts the legacy. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's a reminder that it's, it's not just stats about Mahomes. I mean, this guy's as great, you know, uh, winning wise, I mean, as just any quarterback to start their career ever. Well, now that Tom Brady is officially retired again, Mahomes has now appeared in more Super Bowls than any other active quarterback. Uh, this is right. a young quarterback group in the NFL right now. We talked about previously that he was the oldest starting quarterback in the playoffs for the uh, on the AFC side, especially. Um, and so it really does show that, yes, he's on pace to have a historic start to his career. He needs this win to get there, but also the experience that he's had, you know, there's nothing Mahomes hasn't seen yet when it comes to pressure, when it comes to big games, when it comes to being at the Super Bowl and performing in the Super Bowl. They asked him about that in media day, and he talks about how he didn't feel, he doesn't really feel the pressure of the Super Bowl per se uh, or the, the legacy pressure, but he, he feels pressure to, to do right, right by his teammates, which I think is a, a pretty good way of looking at it. He's accountable to his team, and he believes – he believes in his teammates more so than he's looking at his own legacy, but doesn't mean we can't look at it. Right. Exactly. But no, I, I, I do think him and Andy Reid have a chance to really cement their legacies with multiple Super Bowl wins with the, with the franchise, you know, and, and, and obviously Reid had the, the, the career before the chiefs, which is great. makes a great storyline for this game. But um, at the, at the same time, man, if he, if he gets a couple of rings with Kansas city, you know, taking over a team, we've, you know, we've gone over it before, you know, that he, he just he's really is, you know, getting close to cementing himself. It's really just like it's Belichick and then Andy. If he you know, if he if he does get, you know, an, uh, another ring with Kansas City, I mean, I, I think he's he's earning that right to get there. But those guys have cemented their legacies to an extent. Just it just can add on. Right. I do think, you know, and, and we'll, let's talk through this because I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, there's not a ton of guys with like it's do or die job on the line. Um, throughout the roster uh, on Sunday, but there are a few maybe names that we can talk through. Um, you know, I threw out like the offensive tackles, for instance, right? Like, you know, if Orlando Brown Jr. has a great game, can he earn that deal? Or if he, on the flip side, can he just completely sever ties with this team? That kind of thing. Wiley maybe in that same area because he is a free agent as well. I don't know, Stags, when you think about it, you know, do or die kind of games for any individual players, I mean, coaches even. I don't know. Does anyone come to mind uh, or, or just what do you think about the offensive tackles? I do think this is an important game for Orlando Brown Jr. We've talked about it through the entire postseason that, you know, he had an up and down regular season, but if he delivers big time in the postseason, and this is a really difficult matchup for him. And we'll talk more about that. I'm sure, but he could justify a deal in this game. And, and really, if you back up and say, well, he, he actually has played pretty well throughout the postseason run if he plays well in this game. If he doesn't play well in this game, then obviously you've got uh, a different argument. So, yeah, I think I think for Orlando Brown, the, the contract is probably on the line. Wiley, I think the, the coaches like him. Uh, he's a valuable guy to have around. I know he's going to be up for free agency. I think they should 
continue to look for a long-term replacement for him, but yeah. he'd be an easy guy for them to bring back, I think. Yeah, no, his, you know, maybe his uh, starting role is is kind of well. I mean, either way, you know, his starting role is probably done for for next year. I mean, you you'd imagine, um, but you're right. He may not lose, you know, his job on the team necessarily. Do you know whether or not he has a good performance in this game? But how about you know, I, I, how about Willie Gay and Legarius Need, two guys that in the defensive draft class um, from for, are kind of coming up for extensions. Two guys that have been important to this defense, but you know. Willie, especially, I mean, is there anything to, um, you know, maybe just, you know, he's made some plays down the stretch, obviously, but it's been inconsistent. They've been trusting Darius Harris over him, Darius Harris over him at times. Um, and, and obviously Sneed's important, but I don't know. What do you think? I mean, is there any, you know, is there any like, all right, contract extension sealed and done, you know, if they have good games in this, in this, uh, game, you know, kind of that winning, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of rubs off, you know, the winning rubs off, they say in the contract negotiations, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, there'll they'll be a glow over a lot of team, a lot of the players on this team when it comes to contract negotiations if they win here. I think Legarius Sneed has been making a case for a top cornerback contract, not just a slot guy, not just a, a utility man, but like an actual top-of-the-market cornerback contract. He could cement that this week, coming back from the concussion that he suffered last uh, in the last game, seems like he'll be good to go on the field, uh, clearing the protocol. Yeah, he could have a big game, and he's going to be really, really important. He might be one of the most important players on either side of the ball this week. His tackling ability, his blitz ability, uh, his coverage, like just his ability to cause turnovers in general, he could be a huge factor for this team, uh, uh, for this Super Bowl. And, yeah, that could just be a cherry on top of a, a, a season where he – can easily sit back and command a, a big, big deal. I'm not sure about Willie Gay Jr. yet. I think there's still some yeah. some more to prove there. But I think Sneed, I could see him blowing up this week and um, using that as leverage in his contract negotiation. Right, and and there there could be a chance where yeah, if he really does struggle to you know keep up with an AJ Brown or just kind of you know um, you know maybe they can use that as leverage and maybe you know maybe things get ugly because you know they they don't want to budge. But I do think Snead Snead will be here. I think especially now that you have these rookie cornerbacks, you don't have to pay down until down the line. You can use some money to lock up Snead, a guy that's a, a, a obviously an essential part to the defense. But you're right, man, Willie, you know. He, he may have to have a really good game to, to have that extension kind of in, in talks, right? Because, you know, I don't know. I think right now you can kind of make the argument that they could probably, you know, maybe replace what he's been doing with maybe just another draft pick at some point. Um, and so maybe you don't think extension. But at the same time, all of a sudden Willie, you know, covers up Dallas Goddard, you know, gets, you know, you know, is just all, all over the field in the run game, the QB run game. He shows his worth. I don't know. So that's where I, I do think he has a, a really a, a big opportunity too to, to really show, especially these athletic quarterbacks. That's why, you know, a Willie Gay kind of type is so uh, is so intriguing is he can track down these athletic quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's a big stage for him to prove whether or not he, he should be here long term. He feels like he's always unfulfilled potential. Like, yeah, exactly. He's somebody who you keep thinking is going to be the guy. And whether it's injuries or coaches' decisions or whatever else, hasn't quite gotten there yet. And so, yeah, I, th- I think you could start to argue that he's a an athletic linebacker, but you can find another athletic linebacker and and 
plug them in and, and get a similar result. I do want to go back. You mentioned Andy Reid earlier. A win here, the second title, to me, just solidifies his Hall of Fame resume. You could argue yeah. that he's got a Hall of Fame resume in Philly and one in Kansas City. But with one Super Bowl title, uh, you know, I think that's, that was important for him to get over that hump. But to have multiple Super Bowl titles, I think that is a, a big deal for him. Um, to get to 2-2 two and two in the Super Bowl with a win here. He lost one in Philly, lost one in Kansas City, won one in Kansas City. This is kind of the swing vote here. Again, to getting back to 500 in Super Bowls, you don't want to go in and have on your resume that you have a losing record in Super Bowls uh, <laughs> over your career or a losing playoff record in your career. Those are things that, that tend to be an asterisk or a, a question yeah, well, and, and and the other thing about that, too, is usually, you know, uh, coaches, it's kind of a Hall of Fame moment if he was to win, because usually coaches, you know, or teams win when they trade for a future Hall of Fame receiver and, uh, you know, add them to the squad. And, 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 and that's when they kind of take off, right, and go on a Super Bowl, Super Bowl run. Andy Reid trades away a Hall of Fame receiver, future Hall of Fame receiver, potentially, and uh, and goes on this run. It's just kind of funny, you know, because he was the one who got T.O. that year and you know, um, you know, he, he's been down that road of kind of loading up for a run, but this is kind of one of those, it's on Andy, right? Like you can't say, okay, he just stacked up and now he's riding a, a great roster. This isn't a, this is an Andy Reed special getting them to this point, obviously Mahomes too, but yeah, I, I think Andy Reed, you know, if he was to win this, I, I think people need to consider, you know, kind of those circumstances and how little those opportunities turn into Super Bowl titles. There's some other history in this game. There's, this is the first time in NFL history that two black quarterbacks have been uh, faced off as starters in the Super Bowl. It's also the first time in NFL history where two brothers have been facing each other in the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's going to be fun from that perspective. I'm sure the eight hours of Super Bowl pregame shows will hit all of those topics uh, pretty hard. But there's one tough question that we've been wrestling with maybe all season. Expectations for this Chiefs team in this season and how you view the 2022 Kansas City Chiefs, does it hinge on whether or not they win this week? Uh, to phrase it differently, as, as someone asked Nick Sirianni this week, is this a must-win game? <laughs> right, a must-win game for, uh, you know, our, our uh, you know, consciousness or approval, I guess, right? Uh, you know, yeah, no, is we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, thinking through, you know, um, before they won the AFC title, right? I think we had a question about it. You know, whether or not this Chiefs season winning the AFC championship was enough to call it a successful season, or will they have to win the Super Bowl? And if they fall short, are we going to, you know, should we rightfully say, look, they didn't get it done? You know, we should chastise, you know, you know, I know people love, you know, I, I remember some people were wanting Spags gone no matter what happened in this in this year. And maybe that gets revisited because they lose all that all that uh, kind of thing to say. I'm kind of on the side and I am on the side. I'm going to firmly stand on this side that I, I think winning the AFC, gaining back that throne, proving that, hey, you know, in the year that we're kind of retooling, kind of figuring out who we want to be in this next generation, we got back to the Super Bowl and, and beat everyone in the AFC, you know, in their prime pretty much. I think that's enough to call it a successful season, you know, in terms of just the team's overall success. I, I'm going to stand firmly in, in that, in that fence stacks. 
to me, I just think the numbers and that we just talked about, the historical context, the importance of this game, I, I don't necessarily feel that way anymore. I think that this is a game they have to win. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be very, very disappointing. Uh, Patrick Mahomes talked about, they asked him, do you think about the the game that you won, the Super Bowl that you won, or the one that you lost more? And he's like, definitely, you, you think about the one that you lost, you're more motivated by it, all of that stuff, which I, I think is all all well and good. But this franchise has a chance to be a dynasty, and they're not they're not going to be one if they lose this game. It's not going to be considered a dynasty, at least for a few more years, uh, if they happen to lose this game. If you win this game, now you can start that talk up again. You know, two Super Bowl wins, five AFC uh, title games at home. Now all of a sudden you can say they're dominating this era uh, of, of NFL football. If they lose this game, then you can say, well, this is a team that, that has a losing record in the Super Bowl that's not getting the job done in the, in the biggest games that they've, you know, struggled to get past Brady. They struggled to get past, uh, you know, Burrow and the, and the Bengals. They struggled to get, you know, with, with Josh Allen. They struggled in the Super Bowl against uh, Jalen Hurts. So I think there's going to be right. just a lot of, a lot of points that people can make. You can really shut shut all of those points down with a win. This you win this game. This team is on track for everything. Lose this game, and you know, it was a surprisingly good season. It's still a disappointment if you can look back and say they just lost another Super. No, I, I definitely get that part of it, and and I and it's it's a valid point, right? Because you don't, you can't. It is when you look back and you take a big picture perspective, and you look at the fact that they've hosted five straight AFC championships and have won three of them. I mean, you know, just in general, not even taking away the win or losses in those games, you you. you it's hard not to say you got to come away with more than one Super Bowl. So I, from that perspective, I totally understand you're, you know, this is still the prime of this era, this Mahomes era. I would say, I, you know, it's hard to imagine they're going to run into another hall of fame, you know, tight end. And they had obviously Tyreek two uh, in the first, you know, uh, run and, you know, he's not going to have Andy Reid forever. So it, it is, it's a valid point. Um, I just, you know, I, I take, I try to take myself back to what I felt like preseason and, and, and kind of, you know, I, with the division as stacked as it looked and I get, it, you know, things change as the season goes, we see the division sucks. So it doesn't, you know, maybe I shouldn't care too much about that, but it just, it did feel like, you know, we, if we would ask ourselves at the beginning of the season, Hey, you know, we, we got back to a super bowl. You know, I, I think a lot of us would have said, you know, Hey, you know, in this year where we don't have Tyreek anymore, our defense is a bunch of rookies, you know, that's, that's pretty dang impressive. And, and I think we'll, we'd take that, but, the fan in me, obviously, is you know is going to be very disappointed if they don't pull this out Sunday. Well, given that this is the Super Bowl and all bets are off, this is Out of Structure Podcast. We aren't necessarily going to stick to our time frames. Uh, we've got a lot of good stats to talk through. Uh, we're going to be here a while, so so settle in, uh, enjoy the ride with us. This is a a big day, a big game, a big week, a big podcast for us. So we're going to talk through. Some really interesting stats of the week. We're going to get to your Twitter questions. We have a bunch of those. Uh, let's do a quick break now before we get started on that. And, and before we go to break, we're going to ask uh, our weekly would you rather question. Would you rather face a precision passer? So a Joe Burrow, a Tom Brady, or a quarterback that can run and occasionally throw deep somebody like Jalen Hurts or uh, – Lamar Jackson. That question 
Uh, your Twitter questions, a bunch of stats of the week. We're going to get to that uh, right when we come back on the Out of Structure podcast. So stick with us. A lot more to come for this Super Bowl show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Super Bowl edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. I just asked this question of Ron. Would you rather the Chiefs face a precision passer, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady type, or a running quarterback that can that can beat you deep now and then, uh, like Hurts, like Lamar Jackson? Uh, what do you think? What's the better What's the better matchup or the worst matchup for? Them? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're talking about just a general quarterback, you know, without any much context besides that, I know you named quarterbacks, but we're going to talk about just like the type of quarterback without the context of the offense. You absolutely would rather play the run game kind of quarterback. You know, it takes a little more discipline on defense. It takes a little more. You know, you got to kind of be thinking on you know on your feet while you're flying around at 100. percent You know, needing to deliver hits, needing to you know needing to fill holes, but. You know, it's a little bit different of a of, of a question when the running quarterback has you know weapons like a uh, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Uh, you know, in in the uh, in the receiving game. So you know, that's where I'll I'll give a little on the fence, but I, I would rather play you know overall the the run game quarterback. For sure, I think this is this is a much better matchup now. This Kansas City Chiefs team has been beaten by running quarterbacks in the past. There was a time when. They could not stop a running quarterback, and that was an issue for them. You know, there's still going to be times they're going to give up first downs uh, to Hurts. They're going to give up, you know, some yards here and there to to Josh Allen when they play them. But that quarterback that can stand in the pocket in the face of pressure and deliver at the very last second a strike, you know, that like Joe Burrow can when he's on, is is more dangerous, I think, for this team because – they rely on the pass rush. They rely on, you know, their young corners in the secondary uh, to play complementary football. They can hold up, I think, well enough against a running quarterback and dare them to throw deep against uh, this defense, as opposed to getting picked apart by somebody who's uh, uh, who just has that next level ball place and that next level accuracy. I don't think Hertz has that. We'll talk about our. our preview and our review of the Eagles uh, so far I, I don't think that that's that's his game and I think that's something that um, you know the Chiefs have an opportunity to exploit a little bit so um, let's talk about some other stats of the week 
Uh, Ron, you were looking at this concept that the Chiefs are suddenly playing another number one defense, that the Eagles are somehow uh, another best defense in the league that uh, the Chiefs are facing this week. And maybe maybe that's not 100% accurate. Well, you know, there are some stats where they do lead the league, and, and they are very close in a lot of stats overall. So, I mean, they are very good statistical defense. Um, and, and, and they are, I, th- I think what's happening though, Stags is, is you, is everyone's hearing that first, you know, in the NFL and sacks, and it's such a huge number. I think that's getting contorted into, okay, that the number, they're a number one defense, um, you know, sacks and, and being the best defense isn't, isn't exactly the same thing. Ask the 2018 chiefs um, who had got a lot of sacks, but you know, sucked as a defense. Um, not saying that this is a chance here, or this is the case here. But no, I, I just a few stats to rattle off just to kind of put it in perspective. The Eagles uh, regular season, they finished eighth in points allowed, second in yards allowed. And actually, here's where they're really good is, is yards is their first, you know, so the lowest yards per play allowed in the NFL and the lowest net yards per pass attempt allowed. That includes sacks. You know, obviously, I guess that makes sense, right? You know, you have so many sacks that's going to take away from that. So, yeah, the yards is really where. You know, they, they, they won, you know, defensively. They did for, force turnovers at the fourth uh, highest rate in the NFL and, and defended a lot of passes in that same kind of realm. Um, and they had a middle-of-the-pack third down in red zone, red zone um, finishing. So that's, that's where, you know, number one defense is maybe a little bit of a, a lie. And I'll put it – and this is maybe uh, the, the real perspective to put here. Sixth defensive DVOA. They are first against the pass, right? So that's, that's where number one – you know, you can say number one defense there, and that's a lot of the sacks, right? 21st in rush defense DVOA. And according to Football Outsiders, they had the second easiest schedule of offensive opponents this season. So that gives you perspective on, you know, the stats and stuff. You know, they played in the NFC East, but I mean, outside the Cowboys, you know, there's a lot of teams you could rack up sacks against. And, and, uh, so, so all that to say, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are a good defense, but, you know, they haven't seen someone like, like what the Chiefs are going to be bringing in. Yes, I've seen some interesting stats about um, Hassan Reddick and, and the season he's having. Uh, and I, I wish I could give credit. I don't have it in front of me. But in the last 10 games since they've signed Ndamukong Sue and Linville Joseph, 10 games, Reddick has had 13 sacks in that in that time frame. Yeah. Uh, he's been on fire. Uh, he is an extremely dangerous speed rusher. Uh, for this for this defense to have what do they have four guys that had over 11 sacks this regular season yeah uh, it's it's outrageous the depth of that defensive line and the 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 variety of pass rushers they have is it is going to be it's going to be a challenge but in watching them play I went back and watched a few games to try to get a, a feel for this team because I hadn't seen them much this year you hear a lot about this team as being this juggernaut they were undefeated through most of the season right they they lost uh, you know, towards the end of the, the year, but this was a team that was looking pretty unbeatable. And if you just pay attention to the narrative and, and the surface, you might miss. There's some opportunities for this Chiefs team uh, against the Eagles, and I think I think they can run the ball. I think they can succeed on screens, and, and I think that there are some some things in the passing game that they can exploit. You just can't let that pass rush completely wreck the game. If that's if they can contain the pass rush even if they don't totally stop it I, I think you'll see a good offensive performance and remember some of the Patrick Mahomes' best games this season have been against number one defenses <laughs> well 
Well, exactly, Sags, but we're kind of maybe debunking that. So maybe we shouldn't be. Maybe we, we got to back off this debunking so they, <laughs> they think it is a, an actual number one defense. Uh, no, they, they, again, they're, they're a really good defense, but you're right. Um, you know, there are definitely things, you know, the Chiefs can't exploit about them. Um, just like any defense, you know, this off, you know, we we talk about it all the time, but there's no defense that can truly, you know, truly, truly stop, you know, the Chiefs offense. You know, I think we we all know that when the Chiefs offense gets stopped, it's, it's a lot about how they execute, you know, their own mistakes and errors. Um, you know, defenses can maybe slow them down more than other defenses, but uh, you know, I, and I think there's, there's some truth to that. And I do think, you know, one thing is, is the running backs in this matchup. You, you kind of mentioned, you know, ways to slow down the pass rush. Well, you know, uh, the obvious one is just running the ball, right. Which is something they've been awful at this postseason. Um, the running backs have just, you know, not had any sort of efficiency. If you take away Pacheco's 39 yard run, which actually, was like into like a huge like clouded box and like hey, he had nowhere to go and he just happened to bounce it out. If you take away that, I mean they're averaging I think like less than three yards a carry as a as a as a running back room and in, in, in the postseason. But we the Chiefs did play Philly last year in the regular season. It was the same defensive coordinator, same coaching staff. You know, not the exact same personnel on 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 the defense, but a good amount of it. And the Chiefs had a lot of success with the running backs, and, and it was like a, a, attacking light boxes. And it was really Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey's coming out party, you know, really getting to the second level and getting on linebackers, which I do think that's one place the Eagles struggle, right, is, is the linebacker position. And, and that's one place Andy Reid loves to manipulate uh, uh, on opposing defenses. So I do think there is some truth. There is something to, you know, the running backs being able to exploit the linebackers. Um, you know, the Eagles have added to their defensive line. Obviously, you, you've mentioned it with a few guys. I don't think I don't know if you mentioned Jordan Davis, the, the rookie, the huge guy from Georgia, but he is in the middle there as well. So, yeah, I, I, I think the Chiefs need to use the running back position. It's because the, the, the line is so good. You know, get the screen game going, get, you know, just running backs out of the backfield, you know, trying to uh, beat linebackers uh, in coverage, you know, get all that going. I think that's kind of a, a key part to, to this game. And it's interesting. You talk about the screen game. You talk about the success they've had running the ball against the Eagles last season. They happen to be getting a guy back this week that may hey. be part of that conversation. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been activated. McCall Hardman went on IR. Uh, Clyde hasn't played in a while. Is based on a, a high ankle sprain like Mahomes, but – uh, with less urgency to get him back uh, because of the success of Isaiah Pacheco, because of Jarek McKinnon going on that big run that he was on. But don't forget the success that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had earlier this season. I think you could, uh, you could see a scenario. It's not guaranteed by any means, but you can see a scenario where the Chiefs go back to using uh, Clyde in the red zone, uh, on screens, maybe running some actual receiver routes, you get Clyde loose this game. He may have some fresh legs. He may have an opportunity to show once again that he's a at least a red zone weapon, if not somebody who can rack up some yards in small chunks. I mean, he's not your 50 yards a carry guy, but I think Clyde can churn out some 5, 10, 15-yard gains and really keep this offense a little more balanced than it has been over the last few weeks. It's going to depend on the run blocking like it always does. If you have a big game, from those guys, from Trey, from Creed, they're going to be able to run the ball against this team. Uh, but it might be a game where in a complementary role between uh, Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Alaire that they can show some success and people might be sleeping a little bit on Clyde. 
I'd agree with you. I would definitely agree with you that I do think people are underrating what having Clyde back in the, the rotation, it just would add a little more, a few more packages, a few more plays to certain situations, especially short yardage. Uh, you already mentioned red zone, but you know, Clyde has been on this team, you know, for a few years. I mean, it's what, this is his third full season with the team, you know, learning the playbook. And, you know, it's, that's not – you can't say the same for Jarek McKinnon. And I just think they have two different roles for those two. They haven't, had, they haven't like, wanted to use – develop Jarek McKinnon in some of the same ways that they've tried to use Clyde in, in, that we've seen. I mean, down the stretch, I remember last year, you know, we were seeing him, you know, lining up at receiver, you know, motioning and, and running, you know, uh, uh, angle routes and out routes from the slot. I mean, that's not something they had – McKinnon doing and we actually have seen them try you know uh, put Pacheco in those opportunities and he's he's made the most of them but I still think especially in the red zone especially in the screen game you know Clyde's experience in terms of the timing of, of certain routes you know setting up def- you know defenders um, you know just just also kind of you know just just in terms of you know kind of understanding you know kind of the feel of, of, of each play you know he's run it uh, more in, in real-time opportunities over a guy like Pacheco you know and, and I just think it just seems like he does add a little more route running juice than, than McKinnon does overall. McKinnon's a better pass protector, obviously, and so probably will play more on pass downs, at, rightfully so. I think that's important this game. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I think Clyde, if he is activated, which he should be, I don't see why he wouldn't be over Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones probably going inactive. I, I, I do think he could have a, a, a low-key important role in this game. And I see why people are sleeping on him because it's been a long time since you've seen it, right? You, He's done literally yeah, exactly. nothing since October. Um, and his last game, you know, was against the 49ers, another, you know, highly rated defense. He had uh, he had a touchdown there and uh, averaged five yards to carry uh, running the ball that week. You know, his other big games have been against Tampa Bay, also a very good defense. Um, and then, you know, the Chargers uh, and, and the Cardinals early on in the season, he's got six touchdowns this year. Uh, most of them coming in the first five games, uh, uh, not including the one against San Francisco. He was a he was definitely a threat in the red zone and somebody they like to go to there. Um, and he turned out some yards. You know, there was a 52-yard run against the, the Chargers early in the season that you might remember him wrapping both arms around it as he got downfield, <laughs> uh, you know, which probably slowed him down, but he still got 52 on that one. Uh, you know, he's got – uh, another 20-yard run, uh, 21, 25-yard uh, receptions on the year. He's made some plays for this team. It's just easy to forget because it's been a long time. Since he's made a lot of plays, Pacheco went off, McKinnon went off, Clyde's been completely out of the picture. It, it, it's I don't blame everybody for, for sleeping on him, but you know he's going to be my sleeper this week when I write the – uh, the, the Chiefs market movers as we talk about uh, the upcoming Super Bowl. He just might be somebody that they just find ways to get involved and he may be good for this matchup and he may be fresh for this matchup and, and give to give just some different looks. Yeah, I, I think we're going to be on the right side of history with that one, Stags. I think we're going to be able to talk uh, like we were correct next week on the show. If we are, going back to our previous conversation, does that change your perspective long-term on Clyde? Uh, if he has a big game in the Super Bowl, do do people all of a sudden say, "Hey, maybe they should keep this guy around and and have uh, that one-two punch of Clyde and Pacheco next year"? 
Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, there's not really, you know, just to get into it real quick, there's not really a huge or, you know, a, a great reason to like cut ties within this off season. I mean, contractually doesn't make a ton of sense. And I think, you know, I think in our minds, I think, you know, maybe it's going to stay the same, but okay. So I'll play, I think pu- publicly, maybe a lot of the people that maybe are doubting, you know, his, his presence, I think in their minds, they could say, you know, even if it's obviously, you know, maybe not sticking around for, for, you know, after his deal, but once, you know, while he's on his rookie deal, understanding that he knows this offense, he has, you know, a certain, you know, quickness and, and juice and, and, and honestly some yak ability, right? I mean, we've seen him break tackles. I mean, he's a hard dude to tackle. If it's in a role, you know, if it's in a role, if he's one of three or four backs on the team, I mean, I, I don't see why anyone has a problem with that. So yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I, I think for me, it's, I'm, I'm saying the same. I think he's on this team next year in a certain kind of role. Um, but you know, for other guys, for other people, it may, yeah, maybe it will change their mind. I, I think you have some there. Other stats of the week. I think you had a couple of Eagles related stats to get to. Yeah. We've talked about the, the quarterback run game already. So I'll, I'll make this quick, but Jalen hurts is fourth in the NFL of all quarterbacks in designed runs. So not, you know, this does not include scramble yards, right? This is design runs. He's only behind Taysom Hill. Uh, Lamar Jackson and, and Justin Fields. So, you know, guys that obviously are, are really, you know, um, very much used for their run game um, ability. But the thing I thought found interesting was he's, uh, he, I think he had, what was it, 53? Yeah, 53 designed runs. Only four of them got more than 15 yards on the play. So that kind of tells you that, you know, he's not like, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, he, he that's a different story. You know, he's taken, you know, some 30, 40, 50 yards, you know, uh, every probably, you know, every 10, 20, you know, somewhere in that range, right. He's just going to pop one. That's just the playmaker. He is Hertz is actually kind of more of like a, a running back in, in the sense that he, he kind of just, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll eat you up, you know, seven, eight, 10 yards at a time. And, uh, you know, kind of just be methodical about it. He, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll run through you. He's, he's definitely a, you know, a, a big quarterback, you know, he's a very strong player in college. He was, you know, he was one of the, strongest people at Alabama when he was a starting quarterback there. I mean, you know, this is a guy that they're just going to, you know, it's kind of like Josh Allen, but I, I think Hertz is even more of like a, a you know, a, a you know, kind of a true runner between the tackles at times more than Josh Allen. You know, I, I, I really do think so. So um, I, I think that's important. And it's why Willie Gay and Legereus needs health. Is so important. We already talked about them, but if they are good to go, you know, it gives them a leg, the chiefs, you know, an advantage. Cause if they're not good to go, you're talking about, you know, Darius Harris and, uh, you know, um, rookies, you know, obviously the rookie cornerbacks we've trusted, but it's a whole different story. And this is my main point I want to make here is that this year's defense has not really had to prep for a QB run game like previous iterations of the Spags defense has had to against the Ravens. They've always had to play the Ravens every year. Right. And and we played the they played the Eagles actually last year. We talked about it a little bit. The Bills have a design run game, but it's different, right? It's more just like, all right, Josh Allen, student body, right? Like, go get yards. Like, they don't. It's not. It's not a true run game. And the Cardinals was was kind of the closest thing they've had this year, and that was all the way back in Week One. And Kyler Murray, that's still a little different. It's more of a spread, you know, kind of zone read where Kyler Murray's trying to get to the perimeter. I, I do think there is something to that inexperience, maybe you know, playing for the for a disadvantage for the Chiefs that they haven't had to really have that week of practice where they're focusing on option, you know, de- defense and, and, and the, the rules of that and all that with all these rookies. I don't know, Stags, is that overthinking at all? What do you think? No, I think you're right. And, and this is not a run, a quarterback run game that, that scares you in the same way as, as the old Lamar Jackson teams. And, you know, he, 
against the Niners, for example, uh, Hertz ran 11 times, which is a lot for a quarterback, right? So 11 mm-hmm. times for 39 yards. Uh, so what is that? Uh, under four yards a carry. He did have a touchdown. Uh, he had his longest run of the day was 14 yards. He's not going to destroy the Chiefs' you know, defense running all over him for, for big yardage. He's going to run in some key moments, that, and it's going to be hard to stop. He is unstoppable on quarterback sneaks for the most part. We'll talk about that in, in, in our game review a little bit. But he he's going to get some short yardage. He's going to, you have to watch him on third downs. You know, they, they talked uh, – some of the, the film analysts this week were talking about different formations that the Chiefs ran on defense. And one of them was when they had the defensive, kind of, the defensive line spread out, they left the middle of the field open and allowed uh, uh, Burrow to run up the middle just uncontested uh, on a third down play. Something like that you can see Hurts really, you know, taking advantage of when he gets those opportunities to just chew up first downs. But I'm not really worried about his running ability in terms of, you know, he's not going to be a 100-yard rusher. He's not going to break off a 50-yard touchdown. Uh, I just think it's one of those aspects that they'll need to keep an eye on. Now, question for you. Under Spagnuolo, they typically don't seem to have a, a designated quarterback spy very often. You mentioned Gay and Sneed. Those guys, because of their tackling ability, because of their speed, their ability to close, uh, they're going to be key in, in shutting this this thing down. But do you think they actually assign somebody to Hurts to, as a spy? You know, there is – they have done that in the past with a guy like Dorian O'Daniel, right? You know, a shout out, you know, old friend, uh, you know, your, your guy. His three um, or four snaps on defense as a spy were all successful. Right. So, I mean, you know, and I guess, no, he, Spags did that with him too. It wasn't just Bob Sutton in that last year, um, although we saw that then too. But, um, no, I, I do think there, there's something to that because I think you mentioned Burrow. You can't afford to lose a coverage player and put him in a spy on Burrow. He's just – you know, you, you kind of just have to live with the times he, he gets away. It's just kind of part of it. You have to trust your pass rushers are going to get there. You know, he's not enough, you know, you'd hope he's not superior enough of an athlete to to always outmaneuver your pass rushers like he did in, in the AFC Championship obviously last year. This year, not the case. Jalen Hurts is a little different. You can maybe afford to lose a coverage player, especially with how well the Chiefs did last uh, last week. Um, disguising coverage before the snap, you know, rotating into different things, making Joe Burrow have to go to his secondary reads. You know, Hertz is going to have to do that, and he may not be as proficient at it or as comfortable doing it as, as maybe Burrow. And he might take off a little quicker, you know, right after those primary reads are taken away because he knows he's athletic. And, and that's where a spy maybe is the right call. And, and Willie is definitely the right choice for me. I especially think it just it, it allows him to do what he's, he's best at, just be aggressive, you know, find the ball, attack the ball. I, I do think, you know, I, as much as I wish he, 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 he'd take steps in zone coverage, you know, dropping back into his hook and curl zones, man, I, it almost seems like he's taken a step back this year um, from, when he, from what he's done in years past. Um, and, and that's where sometimes that middle of the field can be dangerous. But if you get Willie and, you know, and, 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 you, know you get Willie, uh, you know, going right at the quarterback or just, you know, kind of hanging around and kind of just being that main focus on certain situations, not all the time. I wouldn't do it all the time, but in certain situations – you know, yeah, I, I think it's a, a good strategy. You you mentioned that you wouldn't necessarily against other quarterbacks want to take somebody out of the the rest of the scheme and designate them as a spy. And I, I I get the feeling that they won't do that this week, but they may ask their players to be a little bit more 
to play a little more contained, to play a little bit more yes. under yes. control. The, the pass rushers. rushers may not want to yeah. get as far upfield. You, you may also see some impact of somebody who's kind of a forgotten rookie uh, but has been really coming on of late. What about Brian Cook, the safety? Uh, mm-hmm. There was a highlight real play of him this last week of closing from one side of the field to the other, yeah. uh, uh, nearly prevented a first down, didn't quite. But um, he might be another guy that sneakily can come up uh, and, and and help just erase those those uh, quarterback runs when they – Well, yeah, and that's a, a great point too when they get in that dime. You know, even, even if we keep talking about that spy position, you know, Cook, you know, and, and a, just a general rookie, you know, in general – that position, again, it's kind of the same thing I just said with Willie, but it's just kind of a mindless, like not mindless, but like you kind of just have to, you know, one-on-one, play ball, right? Like that's all you're asking a guy to do. And a guy like Brian Cook, a guy like Willie Gay are extinctual playmakers. And especially a rookie, you kind of just allow him to play confidently, not allow him to think too much. You know, I do like the idea of him, yeah, playing more close to the box. Because usually when they get in those dime sets, it's actually Justin Reed playing closer to the box and, and, and Cook trusted to, to usually play deeper. I would like to see, yeah, Cook maybe be more in that, that dime you know, closer to the box role and just be a, a, a chaos creator. I think chaos is a great word for, for what this defense can do and should do this week. Right. Continue, like you said, to mix up coverages, to, to throw things at hurts that, that are not uh, predictable and that might give him pause. Uh, Cause all you have to do is, is get him to pause long enough for the pass rush to get home. Uh, and, and you might have, uh, you might have some, some good chaos uh, on the defensive side. What about on offense for the Eagles? They've got a couple of big name receivers, and you know, if they if the passing game gets gets going, it's going through AJ Brown and uh, Devontae Smith, right? Yeah, that's the one thing with the you know the threat of the QB run game. You know that extra player, you know, in your blocking scheme. You know, it allows you to you know to to you know get an advantage on the defense most of the time, unless the defense accounts for them with you know, a eighth defender closer to the box, like a strong safety. And that's where the Eagles pass game really can open up, right? Is because, you know, that, that forces defenses into one high looks where they have to kind of say, Hey, we just have to trust our corners, whether it's cover three or, or man coverage to just, you know, make, you know, try to make plays on the ball 50, 50, because, you know, if it's Devonte Smith on one side and Andrew Brown on the other, you know, on a one high look, if, if they're both going deep, the safety can only help one guy, right? That's kind of, you know, and, and that's where they can get a lot of those uh, those looks and a lot of those advantages. And, you know, it's even more so than a, than a team like the Bengals because of that QB run game again, right? Like you don't, you don't have to, you know, be as worried about bringing an eighth defender closer to the box against a Bengals team. You can't have more safety help unless you just allow them to gas you, which, hey, you know, maybe you want to take that route or maybe it's the pick your best, pick your poison, right? Maybe Spags wants to kind of, you know, not allow the big plays. We've seen him do that earlier this year against the Bengals, right? You know, play a lot of soft zones, you know, allow those underneath throws and the Bengals took advantage. That's kind of maybe what you could see in this game too, because here's a stat. I, I you know, I had all this to say. Uh, AJ Brown has the fourth most receiving yards in the NFL on passes thrown 20 yards or further downfield this year. And the second most touchdowns. So only Devontae Adams has more touchdowns on deep throws this year than A.J. Brown. And it just goes into all, all what I just said. And so, yeah, now we got some some quarterback matchups uh, to talk about, right, Sags? I don't know. I, I think that's a kind of an exciting part of this game is, is who these young corners, uh, who they're going to match up with. Yeah, and I think last week being a real confidence-inspiring performance from these young guys, all of a sudden, you know, prior to last week, maybe you say, 
oh, there's nobody that you'd want to put one-on-one against A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. But all of a sudden now you can say, well, these guys, three deep rookies, all have experience now going, you know, really man-to-man against some some equally good receivers on the Bengals side, right? If you've, you've just recently covered uh, Jamar Chase, you know, uh, A.J. Brown is not going to be anything you haven't seen before. If right. you've just recently covered – you know, the, um, you know, the T Higgins obviously is a different type of receiver, but I, I think, I think Devonta Smith is a, is a bigger challenge just because of his speed and like, the explosive playability there. Uh, but I could see, and you mentioned before that Spags has been assigning LeJarrius Sneed to, to a top receiver. And that's happened recently. They were going to do it again last week before he got hurt. Allegedly. Um, this could be a week where they assign him. But I'm not sure that I would do that. Uh, would you? You know, it's an interesting point because I kind of my initial thought is yes, um, I would. Um, but you made some interesting points pre-show, which 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 I want you to make um, on Sneed specifically because I do think you know um, you can't have that flexibility with Sneed because I love the idea of Trent McDuffie on Devonte Smith. Devonte Smith's a great receiver. Don't get me wrong. I'm not you know it's not a slide on him at all. It's that this is a blue chip cornerback. And I do think, you know, the type of receiver Devontae Smith is is kind of who Trent McDuffie wants to play, a guy that he he kind of has the strength advantage of, it, it would seem. You know, I, you know, hey, maybe maybe Devontae Smith, you know, does, uh, you know, outplay him strength-wise. But I, I think, you know, when you watch both of their plays, you know, I think McDuffie has a little more, um, you know, kind of attitude to his game, kind of can come, in, uh, come up and hit you, be aggressive, you know, more, uh, more than I think Devontae's, you know, uh, game suits him. But all that to say – I think that's a great matchup and it allows you to get flexible with how you handle AJ Brown um, and, and Snead, Right. So, so yeah, uh, I, I think you had some great points on how Snead could be used. No, I, I agree with you on that matchup. I think McDuffie is, is showing himself to be, like you said, a blue chipper. He is, he was phenomenal last week, even if he didn't get the headlines of, of some of the other guys because he dropped his interception and <laughs> didn't bring it in. Yeah. But the other guys did, develop some confidence that I, like I said, I think that could be valuable. I could see instead of assigning Snead to Brown directly, maybe you let Williams or Watson, whichever one you feel most comfortable with, maybe it's Watson either way. One of the big, long physical corners that are rookies go up against Brown, obviously give them some help, you know, but <clears throat> that frees up Snead to, to provide some help now and then, but also, to play that robber role, to blitz, to mm-hmm. come up and tackle on screens. That those are the things that he does so well, better than arguably any corner in the league. I would put Snead and his ability to close on a screen, um, you know, or or tackle up against any defensive back uh, in the league. And, and the stats bear that out as well. So so maybe you want Snead to be in his unpredictable you know, jack of all trades role yeah. this week and let one of the other rookies travel with, with Brown a little bit more and then just kind of let the cards fall where they may. And you mentioned like, Hey, we just played Jamar chase. Hey, you know, we, we, you know, AJ Brown's nothing we haven't seen. I do think cornerback is one of those positions that you want to ride the confident guys, whoever is playing well, whoever is feeling themselves, whoever is really feeling confident in, in, in their, in their technique, their fundamentals, and I mean, Jalen Watson, I mean, he had a great little clip where he's coming to the sideline after his pick. And so this is what I do. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. that guy, I, you know, obviously quickly becoming, you know, a, a fan favorite with 
the amount of big plays this guy makes. Yeah. But, I mean, he's he's deserving it because he's he's stepping up. And I think, yeah, you, you I think there is something too. hey, let this confident rookie cornerback go up against A.J. Brown. See what he can and do. Get, when it comes know, to yeah. Watson, don't overlook. I think the, the highlights are going to be the interceptions. Right. But he had some incredible pass breakups in that game as well, Definitely. where he was just in the perfect position, you know, timed it well out jumped some of those guys i mean that's a skill that chiefs corners have been lacking <laughs> for a while right and so being able to uh, to make plays on the ball not just get interceptions but obviously he's had an interception in each of the uh, playoff games so far and and i would love to see that streak continue as well so i'm feeling good about the chiefs corners against these receivers because of their experience last week and because of another factor that i'll I'll hold for our game preview a little bit. But uh, one more factor on the Chiefs offense, as pointed out by Dan Orlovsky on Twitter, Travis Kelsey may have an opportunity to go off in this Super Bowl. And, you know, being the Kelsey Bowl, it would be fully appropriate and and, uh, just awesome to see from a poetic standpoint. But from a matchup standpoint, I think the Eagles have some vulnerability in the way that Kelsey plays. Orlovsky pointed out, the crossing pattern. If you get Kelsey going on crossers, he has been nearly unstoppable this season in that situation. So this is what he he compiled. Kelsey on crossers this year, 21 of 27 completions, 466 yards, five touchdowns, 18 first first downs. So 86% of the time, 18 out of 21, Resulted in a first down and the yards per attempt, 17.25 yards per attempt. Yeah. When you throw towards Kelsey on a crosser. And as you pointed out, the fact that he scored five touchdowns, Kelsey didn't have a lot of long touchdowns this year. They're probably counting some red zone and and some goal line plays there. Yeah. uh, Which brings down that yards per attempt uh, number a little bit. So the bottom line here with all those numbers is, Kelsey's got an opportunity, whether it's zone or man coverage, to get open down the field on these crossing routes and really do some damage and chew up some some big yardage between the twenties and get you know get the Chiefs set up in, in nice positions. So that might be something to watch this week. Yeah, and you know, in that specific matchup over the middle of the field, right, is where that crosser's attacking. You know, you're kind of you know you're kind of attacking underneath the safeties and corners, or at least the the one deep safety. And, and kind of trying to exploit the linebackers. Well, that's the thing with the AFC is they've caught on to this, right? You're talking about the Bills with athletic linebackers like Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, the Bengals with la- athletic linebackers like Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, um, other teams as well. You know, the AFC West has tried to get better at linebacker. But I will say, you know, the Eagles, that one, that's kind of that one-week personnel spot, I, I would say, in their, in their defense, um, maybe just their team in general. It is the linebacker position. I do think uh, they play a lot of zone too. So I think, you know, Kelsey's the type that's just going to, you know, take you to the woodshed in terms of manipulating your, your coverage responsibilities, you know, making you think he's going one way and going the other. And if you play a lot of zone and, and you have guys that just maybe aren't as, you know, you don't have Fred Warner out there. You don't have, you know, the, again, I just mentioned a bunch of names. They don't have those guys. Uh, they have Kaiser white, the former chargers linebacker that is used to getting exploited by Andy Reid offenses. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that's that's a huge uh, part of this game, and I love that stat because that is 
I have a, I have a tweet, you know, highlighting a few crossers from a, a few months ago um, that, yeah, they just, it's, it's, he can win man coverage, but it's really about, you know, him getting to linebackers blind spots and then just taking advantage of them from there. That's really what Kelsey does best. And, you know, I think the Eagles do have a chance to kind of buy into that strength of his. Well, we should get to some Twitter questions here because we had some good ones. Um, let's, uh, well, let's just dive right in with uh, our guy. We can, Jake we can rapid fire a little bit. We can, we can, we can fire these off. Why not? Uh, Ed Jake <laughs> for now asked, obviously it'd be ideal for the Chiefs to be fully healthy heading into the Super Bowl, but is there some element of uncertainty that they can use to their advantage and, and exploit? Basically, I, I assume, and, and he says here about game planning for the Eagles, uh, do you think there's any advantage into having so many guys questionable for this game from a game planning standpoint? I think Tony did blow their one shot, right? I feel like if he would have just kind of maybe stayed quiet, um, Hardman on IR, you know, that is a big deal, right? Not having either of them. Now they know at least they'll have Tony. Um, no, I don't know. I, you know, uh, Clyde getting activated, you know, this early kind of takes away that element of surprise. So, you know, I don't know. Do you have any good good thoughts on it? Not really. I, I don't think – I think we're past that point probably at this this point yeah. in the season. They put a lot of stuff on film, the the – Eagles should be prepared for this roster. And you got to know that nobody's going to be hundred percent, but if somebody's, you know, if anybody's going to play through anything, it's going to be in the Super Bowl. So there, I would expect the bulk of these guys to be on the field, probably the entire active roster available. Now that Hardman went on IR, I, I think the chiefs will have everybody available. Um, and then it's not really going to change the team's game planning. They're going to, they're going to have to be ready for a very multiple chiefs offense uh, and, and an up-and-coming defense. I think those are the, the things that the Chiefs have going for them. Uh, Thomas Ramirez, who besides Mahomes must have a good game, uh, offense and on defense, uh, for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. So who are your maybe most important uh, performers? This hmm, That's a tough question. You know, the, the first guy that comes to mind when I think of that question, and I'll steal maybe a couple guys, uh, and we talked about it a little bit, is the offensive tackles, right? I feel like – you know, this, this, you know, we've seen the Chiefs go into a Super Bowl and kind of be outmatched against a pass rush. And there were two different outcomes in those advantages. Cause I mean, you know, Mitchell Schwartz was a great right tackle, but, you know, Eric Fisher got his, his drum beat in, in the first Super Bowl, too. Um, and I think there were two different ways they were able to scheme around that and handle that. And I think it can go one or two ways. And, and I think with everyone healthy, you're talking about your starters. I think it can go the right way, even if Brown does have you know, maybe, a, a, you know, an off game and Wiley does too. But I do think, you know, for this team to score enough points, I think I think the offensive tackles have to have a good game. And then on defense, I mean, we, 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 we've we talked about it. You know, we, we've talked about the guys that, that, that need to have good games. But, you know, Chris Jones is the obvious one. I'll just say it. I mean, if he can really wreck from the interior, make Jalen Hurts uncomfortable, I mean, you know, that's 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 a big part of the game because he's not going to react to it as well as Burrow does at times. Um, and that's that's a big part of this. Yeah, outside of Mahomes on offense, I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say Kadarius Tony because all the different things that they want to do, their ability to mix things up, and Tony's ability to break tackles, I think that could be really, really valuable against the Eagles, and they become just a lot more predictable, a lot less fun without Tony or Hardman in that role. So I'm gonna go Tony on offense, on defense. I think it's Frank Clark because. The way that you attack uh, Hurts, you know, like I said, there's going to be some contain, right? There's going to be some uh, 
slowing up a pass rusher is because he has the ability to run past them. But I think what they need to, to accomplish against this, this offensive line, that's a very, very good offensive line of the Eagles, uh, arguably the best in the league. I, I think that's probably maybe not even arguable anymore. It's, it's pretty clear. Their tackles are very good, uh, especially against speed. And their centers, you know, uh, other than Creed Humphrey, uh, the best in the league. So the weakness might be the guard positions. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it might be that they have to press the outside. They have to press the speed rush in order to force Hertz to step up into the teeth of Chris Jones, of George Karloftis, you know, Mike Dana, those guys coming um, more on the inside. So I would like to see a big game from Clark, uh, maybe Dunlap too, you know, those guys that can that can press around the outside edge. From a, the Chiefs don't have elite speed rushers, but the the yeah. guys who can who can play that role on Sunday are going to be really valuable, even if they don't get home. But enforcing Hurts uh, to step up in, in, into the interior. Well, okay. So Tom, Thomas Ramirez's next question is: Who on the OL and DL has to have a perfect game on Sunday? Would you say Clark is kind of the one that has to have, yeah, like a perfect performance because of yeah he's going to play the probably the most snaps and and he probably will get asked the most to kind of try to win with speed try to try to force hurts up into jones's pressure um because you know i i think a guy like mike dana is going to be you know asked a lot to do what you were kind of talking about you know kind of reading hurts and mirroring him maybe as an inside rusher and and uh you know on certain plays and i think Karloftis absolutely could get used in that role too so I don't know. Is is the perfect game needing to go to Clark, or, or is there somewhere somewhere else uh, on the line? Yeah, it's Clark and Jones. I think you need your big time playmakers to step up here on, on yep. the line. And Jones, you know, I think the way that they move him up and down the line, they'll find a matchup that that he can win. Uh, and I think he'll make some noise. I think he's you know obviously motivated uh, and playing at the at the peak of his his game. You got to have those two guys because if they don't, then there's really just no. There's nobody that you can hang your hat on on the defensive mm-hmm. line. So uh, it, it's it's either if it's not Clark, it's Jones. If it's not Jones, it's Clark. If it's neither of them, they're in big trouble. Uh, offensive line, you know, wherever they line up, Hassan Reddick, uh, you know, I'm going to jump ahead to Patrick Take Me Home uh, on Twitter. What worries you most about the Eagles? It's Reddick for yeah. me. He is, uh, he can be an absolute game wrecker and, and showed up, you know, against the 49ers. Uh, he was just unblockable. Um, he is a, a really scary uh, speed rusher. He had two sacks and a tackle for loss in that game. Uh, again, he had something like 17 and a half or 16 and a half on the, on the regular season. He is that, that one speed rusher, that Von Miller type that can just destroy a game plan because he can get home so quick uh, around the outside. So yeah, that that's the guy that worries me the most. So, whoever on the offensive line is trying to block him uh, is going to be the guy who, who has to be perfect because you can't, you can't say if Reddick gets a sack um, that, that he's going to wreck this game. But if, if he, if he's got multiple sacks and, and double digit pressures, you know, then the chiefs are going to have a really hard time as good as Mahomes is at avoiding the rush. They, they really need to figure out a way to block that guy out. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely agree with you. That's the most worrisome part of this game because you know we've seen, you know, I already mentioned it, but we've seen this team go into a Super Bowl with, uh, you know, outmatched in that in that part of the game, and it just, you know, took them completely out of the game, um, and and we don't want to see that. We we can't. I'll see throw that. in one other, uh, you know, 
just bonus answer to this question is we've said it all year. The run game goes as Trey Smith goes. If Trey Smith can be dominant and get the running game going, yeah, this this Chiefs offense could be could be just unstoppable if they're balanced. And and I think that the Eagles do represent an opportunity for them to run, but they've got some monster defensive tackles. So if you if you can move those guys out of the way and and get your backs to the second level, then you've got a chance to turn up some yards uh, against this this Eagles team. And I think. Uh, I think the key to all of that is almost always Trey Smith. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Tooney, uh, you know, obviously is, is very excellent at, at getting, you know, quick feet, you know, getting the second level as well. But Trey, you know, creates movement at the second level. And if he can latch on the linebackers, he can really create that open space. And, and yeah, so, um, but at the same time, you're right. Yeah, he can also create that initial hole, you know, getting through the line of scrimmage to that second level. And so, yeah, that's where he's, he's kind of, you know, he has to play a big role in both of those aspects. Trey Smith's Super Bowl party is serving up pancakes uh, this weekend. Yes, so sir. he's skipping the wings, going right to the pancakes. How about uh, Ruben M's question? Does it really matter that the Eagles have had a super soft schedule and two cakewalk playoff games? Is that a big deal uh, or not really? Well, Stags, you tell me if uh, the team that has played – Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Davis Webb, and then in the postseason, Daniel Jones and Josh Johnson if uh, and blew both those teams out. If they're ready for a down-of-the-wire, you know, um, fourth-quarter match against a team that has had to, you know, kind of, you know, scratch and claw for each of their wins down the stretch for the most part, um, I, I do think I do I do think it's a big deal. I, I I think there is something to this. Um, I absolutely think you know being more battle tested and you know the Chiefs not only have the Super Bowl experience but just the again this experience in season of of you know playing in situations you know playing in these high pressure moments in the second half. Eagles have blown out a lot of the opponents they've played this year, so I do think there's something to that man. And uh, I I, th- I think I'm I'm glad to be on this side of, of that coin um, in terms of being a fan. Yeah, there's something to be said for that scar tissue that you build up after a, a hard yeah. hard season. You know, the the you look back at the Chiefs playoff runs in the past 2019 Super Bowl run was a difficult season for them. They fought through a lot of close games, a lot of injuries, a lot of things went wrong that year uh, for them to win. The the 2018 season was more than one they were cruising in and they and they got exposed a little bit in the playoffs, right? So, right. you know, it's it's um I think there is something to be said for that. I think quarterbacks and, and head coaches obviously are the, the most important factors in these types of games when it comes down to the wire. Two minutes left, down four. You know, I feel pretty confident that Mahomes is going to drive the field, and I'm not sure I feel the same way about Hurts if he has to throw the ball. So I think the, the Eagles like to run it up, get a big lead, and then just run the ball and, and – and, shorten the game and, and uh, um, close things out that way. You know, the chiefs don't do that. Obviously uh, they tend to, you know, come on late or, or, you know, squeak by when they have to, but they play to the level of their opponents and they've done really well against their top opponents this season, uh, especially those with great defenses. So it's going to be interesting to see whose style of play wins out. If the chiefs are able to get a lead, force the Eagles to pass or get the ball late, you know, with the game close and, and uh, 
um, you know, have let, let Mahomes put it in Mahomes' hands versus allowing uh, the Eagles to to control the football game. So I, I do think I do think it's a a matchup that the Eagles are going to be. You know, it's going to statistically at least their defense is not going to be as dominant as it's been all year. This is likely, I think, to be a high scoring game between these two teams uh, because. Uh, there, the Eagles' defense is not going to be prepared to shut down the Chiefs' offense. Uh, the Chiefs' offense, uh, you know, if they can put up points like we we know they can against top defenses, it could be a shootout and it could be close. And in those scenarios, both of those scenarios, I like the Chiefs. Well, it sounds like you want to give a score prediction, Stag. That's what oh, I, that's what we'll, it sounds like to me. We'll get there. Let's let's do one more break. I, but I do have one more question that I stole from Jared Sapp, uh, our guy. Uh, he was asking in context of this conversation about Clyde Edwards Alaire and Ronald Jones, uh, he asked, who would you dress? And, and I sort of expanded on this question to say, are there, are there any personnel decisions, any secret weapons, any buddy from the practice squad that the chiefs could activate that could make a difference this week? Or is there anybody who was inactive last week that all of a sudden is going to be the secret weapon this week? Um, what do you think? Is there any, any curveballs that can, the chiefs can throw from a who's active standpoint this week? Yeah, no, we we kind of hit on it. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the running back's position, you know, it would be a change up to me if they didn't activate Clyde and kept Ronald Jones in there. I think that would be a surprise. Um, but no, not necessarily. I think Marcus Kemp will be back up from the practice squad, even though Justin Watson will be available. But, uh, you know, Kemp just obviously has a role on special teams. So no, I don't know if any curveballs are coming. Yeah, we talked a little bit about, like, the unique challenge of playing the Eagles, the way that they can run the ball, you know, a wild idea would be to have Danny Shelton up there. So you have Brandon Williams and Danny Shelton uh, presenting a, a, you know, a brick wall to try to run through. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen either. Um, you know, I think Justin Watson is is going to be active this week, even though he was inactive last week. And I think that'll make a difference uh, at a certain point in the game, whether it's blocking downfield or that one play where the the defense forgets about him and Mahomes is able to throw it deep his way. Uh, He he could be a little bit of a difference maker and just kind of a secret weapon other than Clyde, who again has been gone so long, everybody forgot, but could be a factor uh, even in a limited role this week. So I I doubt that there's any big, big surprises, but uh, I think Amir Smith Marquette was, was uh, active last week uh, for special teams. I, I would assume that, uh, he's not active this week and that uh, Marcus Kemp is uh, along with Watson, uh, Justin Watson. Yeah, no, I, I think that's about right. No, I, I, there's just not a lot of wiggle room on this roster right now. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty set in stone, man. All right. Just to keep the folks in suspense, let's do one more quick break before we get to our game preview, our score predictions. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we've seen from the Eagles. Maybe that we haven't covered yet. I uh, close this thing out and get ready for the Super Bowl. would be, Right back after this. And we're back with our third and final segment as we prepare for the Super Bowl to watch these Kansas City Chiefs go up against the Philadelphia Eagles. So when we talk about the quarterback, we've talked a lot about Hurts running the ball. We haven't talked much about him throwing the ball, partially because in recent games, they both haven't done it a whole lot and haven't been super successful with him throwing the football. There's been talk about his injury uh, lingering. Uh, maybe he's still not quite right. But you look over his recent games, and 
you know, this is not a 300 yard passer anytime in, in recent history. This is somebody who's throwing for 140, 125, 175 yards a game and relying on that run game, relying on that defense uh, to, to be the difference makers for him. When I watched him play, it wasn't just the stats that I was surprised about. I was surprised at how difficult it seemed to be for him to push the ball down the field uh, and to throw those routes I just talked about with Mahomes. The outside of the numbers, outside of the hash uh, throws, where you have to put some velocity on them. A lot of times he was short. The velocity wasn't there. Those passes fluttered. He might not be right right now. And, and I think a strategy for the Chiefs defense is play into that and, and let's load up on the short stuff, load up on the, against the run and those uh, dump-offs and dare him to throw deep. I know we talked about earlier they, they've got a couple down-the-field threats in their receivers, but I'm not – confident that Hertz is going to consistently get the ball to them. Uh, I don't know that I would be super worried about uh, the, the Eagles offense in deep passing or passing outside the numbers right now. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I, I've definitely seen multiple people have, have, you know, worry, you know, for his full health uh, and, and he's admitted as such, uh, you know, as early or as recently as, you know, before their first playoff game in the divisional round. But, you know, that is, that is the thing though. It, you know, I, they've gotten those big plays. They've had these big games from the receivers from Jalen hurts in the passing game because teams sell out against the run. And we've talked about it a little bit, but, you know, giving them, you know, looks that are advantageous for deep, you know, deep down the field, but they're 50, 50 balls for a reason. And especially if your quarterback's not super comfortable, you know, and, 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 you know, that accuracy is going to, you know, it's already hard to be accurate down the field, right. You know, it's even harder when you're not feeling right. So, you know, I definitely think it's a great point that, you know, and, and, and the Eagles offense just really hasn't been that explosive since that injury. I mean, it's just you can see the statistics, too. So I think there is something to that. And, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs cornerbacks are playing confidently enough to just trust them. And, and, and you know, hey, if they give up a catch or two, you know, in a, in, a, in a batch of five, six, seven opportunities maybe, I'd say that's, that's a win for the most part. You, the confidence level, again, has to go up based on what the Chiefs were able to do against the Bengals. You've got – you know, Cook uh, it, dropping back deep and, and helping uh, deflect that ball right to Williams at the end of the Bengals game. Uh, you, you've seen some some scenarios where, you know, Watson takes advantage of a underthrown ball uh, on the sidelines. They've got the they've got the young players who are getting themselves in position to make plays on the ball when you have a quarterback that might underthrow it because of pressure or injury or whatever the reason is. Um the Chiefs can really make them pay for underthrows, and so I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see that happen this week. Obviously, but I, I think, I think the the confidence level should be high that they can they can handle those deep passes when they come. Yeah, exactly. No, I I, I totally agree. Um, and and I definitely think the cornerbacks have earned the right to be trust you know entrusted. I think at times in the past with Spagnolo, we've we've been on his case because we don't we didn't think the cornerbacks were maybe you know, given the, or, you know, maybe have earned the right to be put on islands against Jamar Chase and whatnot. But, you know, again, especially when you have to defend the quarterback run, that extra, def that extra player in the box, you just have to trust your corners. And I think, you know, they're in a good spot right now to, to feel good about what they got going on. And then finally, we talked about the Chiefs pass rush already quite a bit, but this is one of those games where you can't expect them to put up five, six, seven sacks. It's, it's not likely against this right. offensive line and quarterback, but, if they're playing some contain, if they're watching for, for those design runs, for the quarterback escaping, 
Um, and you have some success from your edge rushers like Frank Clark, like Carlos Dunlap that can force him to, to step up a little bit and, and step up into the pocket, into the teeth of the Chiefs defense. I think they can still get, you know, let's say three sacks and, and a fair amount of pressure uh, on Hurts and have a pretty successful day rushing the passer, even though it's a very, very good offensive line. Yeah, exactly. No, the Chiefs defensive line has an important job here. They did their job against the Bengals, but obviously it's much it's much harder this time around, especially, you know, with, with the mobility of Hurts. And, and it makes you, you know, we've talked about it, but you have to be less aggressive kind of when you're attacking. Spags has talked about that. In the past, you know, even with Burrow, and but it's even more so the case with a guy like Hertz. So, yeah, I, I do think you know a guy like Colin Saunders, you know, really need really has a big opportunity to take advantage of one on one, you know, one on one with guards when Kelsey and the other guard are, are blocking Jones and you know Dana in those instances too. But um, you know, it's 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 you know it's it's everyone on the defensive line, you know, needing to win one on ones is is the big the big deal. Complimentary football, having the secondary give them just that extra beat in order to get home on obvious passing downs. Uh, all of that stuff's going to be important. All right, sum, sum it up for the Chiefs defense. What is their one key to the game on the Chiefs defensive side of the ball? Yeah, no, I, I think on, on defense, if the Chiefs cornerbacks can really, you know, win those matchups down the field in the pass game, can really, you know, take away the chunk plays they can get through the air because the Chiefs run defense is being helped by that extra defender and kind of, you know, maybe not getting gashed as much. You know, I, I think that's the key right there, right? So if the cornerbacks can can make those plays on those balls and not allow those big plays to kind of ruin the early down successes that a run defense can have, then you know that's that you know that's that's I think the, the huge key there. So I think the cornerbacks against Devontae Smith against AJ Brown against Quez Watkins, a guy we haven't talked about, another great deep threat for them. That's the key. And maybe I'm overconfident in that regard, but I'm not as worried about that stuff. Uh, I really want to see the Chiefs defense. This has been the key all season long. When the Chiefs defense has been good, they've tackled well. When they've been bad, they tackled poorly. It's never been more important than it is against this team in this situation. They've got to tackle on early downs, near the line of scrimmage. Uh, what you know, the shut down the running. You can't stop their run game entirely, but you can make it ineffective by tackling well, not giving up any extra yardage on on the run game, on their screen game, on their short dump off passes. They limit the yards after catch. They limit the yards after contact for the running backs. You slow this offense down to the point where they cannot keep up with the Chiefs offense. You don't have to stop this Eagles offense. You're not going to be – it's not going to be a shutout, you know, but if you can get the Chiefs offense to get a lead and then have the Chiefs defense put this uh, Eagles team in a situation where they can't just grind out first downs and run the clock out and and score touchdowns on the ground – Uh, then I think the Chiefs are going to be in good shape this week. So for me, again, as basic as it sounds, tackle. Get guys on the ground near the line of scrimmage. No, it's a great point because with the way the Eagles can spread out and run, you know, you're going to have a lot of players having to tackle in space. So, yeah, I think that's an excellent point. You know, get get your guy on the ground when you have those one-on-one opportunities. And if, if they don't like that we've seen them in the past, like the Bengals regular season game, no, yeah, it's going to be a very, very long day. All right, speaking of long days, it's probably about time to wrap this thing up. We appreciate you all sticking with us uh, for the Out of Structure podcast, the Super Bowl edition. Before we go, though, we don't always do this, but since it's the Super Bowl and we're out of structure, we do what we want. We're doing some predictions. Uh, I'm going to put it to you, Ron, first. Score prediction and storyline from the Super Bowl 
uh, what, what's going to happen? Yeah, you know, shout out Jay Binkley, a uh, great radio host on 610. Uh, love going on with him. And he forced a score prediction out of me, kind of out of nowhere, put me on the spot uh, Monday night when I was on with him. And so I'm going to stick to it, Stag. I'm going to stick to it as long as I can this week. I think the Chiefs pull this one out 30 to 27. I think, uh, you know, the offense does make enough plays, you know, does, you know, ha- find success against Philly's defense. And I think Philly's offense finds success against the Chiefs defense. But I think, like you've seen a lot of times this season, the Chiefs defense comes up with just enough stops, a, a play here, a play there, and the Chiefs end up on top. So I think you got 30 to 27 is, is where I'm going to go. Well, in, in the NFL, the goal is to play in the last game of the season, the NFL season. Uh, the goal is obviously to walk off uh, with a win. Every other team in the league is going to end their season with a loss. Only one team gets to go home uh, happy, really, in this scenario. That's part of why I think that this is a defining moment for this season. If they walk away with a loss here, they're still going to feel a, a sour taste in your mouth as going through a long off season. I'd like to see the Kansas City Chiefs get out early to a lead um, to you know, keep things close. I think this is a, a matchup that if things are close, the Chiefs can win. I think we might see – a defensive touchdown on the Chiefs' side, uh, which which would be a, a, a little bit unusual thing, but uh, I'm going to call my shot there and say somebody like uh, Trent McDuffie uh, or Jalen Watson gets loose uh, on a pick six. Uh, and then, you know, otherwise they're going to play it pretty close and it might come down to a two-minute drive uh, with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. You want the ball in his hand at the end of the game. Uh, or it might come down to a two-minute drive in the other direction. And I think I trust this chief defense finally uh, against uh, this offense uh, of the Eagles. So all things are lining up, I think for a a pretty good game decided by one touchdown or less, I'm going to go 38, 31 chiefs. And uh, they ride off into uh, the off season with another ring. And we'll be back with you all to celebrate that on the out of structure podcast, all through the Arrowhead podcast network, make sure you're like, great review. Uh, there'll be tons of Super Bowl coverage on arrowheadpride.com. Make sure you don't miss out on any of that. And hopefully we're back celebrating with you this time next week with Patrick Mahomes wearing uh, his uh, Super Bowl champion hat and soon to be his second ring of his young career. It's going to be a fun one. It should be a close one. Might be a high scoring affair, uh, but either way, We'll be back with you next week on the Out of Structure Podcast. Thanks for spending your uh, part of your day with us, and we'll talk to you next week.